Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Mac CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew, or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is East Cheshire Mortgages. They are a local, independent mortgage broker who have been established for over 15 years. Paul and his team have a wealth of experience in a number of different areas, specialising in new build and help to buy mortgages. They are currently offering a free initial mortgage review to anyone worried about finances during the current climate. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man has featured many times on the podcast already, having been a popular choice in the quick fire round. A seasoned and well-travelled cricketer, both abroad and domestically, he made his way back to Mac in 2018 with a particularly fruitful year. His agent may well have demanded an outrageous fee for his appearance today, but ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Khalid Sowers. Cal, how are you? Miles, couldn't be happier to spending this Sunday talking to you, buddy. Um, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that you're already telling lies. This, this is a good start. Um, now, how's your Sunday? <laughs> not bad, not bad. I'm still in the routine of getting up at seven o'clock in the morning, so I've uh, I've already been up for a good few hours. Had a couple of coffees and uh, just mentally preparing for um, the barrage. I'm sure you're going to give me. Well, you know what, Cal? I think, um, you know, as with Bert's uh, episode, um, I think it was important to, you know, give you and him uh, the opportunity to talk about some actual cricket, because I think when it comes to barrages, it's fair to say the uh, the, the House of Cricket podcast is, is going to be exactly that. I, I don't anticipate us talking about too much cricket, and, and I rather feel that it's just going to be the four of you, um, well, frankly, abusing each other. So, um, so I thought today we could we could at least talk about some form of cricket, if that's okay. No, that's absolutely fine, mate. That's absolutely fine. I'm not sure um, how much I'll be able to to add on top of Bert's, but uh, we'll give it a go. Well, I th- I think to be honest, it's it's quite nice, and dare I say, it's slightly well planned that that we've had Bert on the episode before yourself and and then you on because you know the the pair of you have both played a lot of cricket um both in australia and england obviously you've you've played a bit more over there than he has here but um hearing about your sort of respective uh perspectives on 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 you know playing cricket in both countries i think will be great um anyway we'll we'll get to that first of all i thought it'd be interesting just as with everyone tell us what you do when you aren't playing cricket so I work well, I always work for a marketing uh, tech company in Salford. And so I've, been, oh, I've only been there for three months. Um, but previous to that, it was cybersecurity. And previous to that, it was um, advertising. So uh, nothing too exciting, mate. Nothing too exciting. <laughs> and um, how, I should say, how are you kind of finding, uh, you know, the kind of current conditions in, in England and, uh, you know, social isolation and distancing and all that sort of stuff uh well i'm quite a sociable guy um as you know miles so being locked up at home uh, isn't the most ideal scenario um and in the line of work that i'm in which is uh new business sales uh 
the reception when I call up to try and sell people stuff isn't the best. So it's challenging times, mate. It's challenging times, but it certainly is. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine if anybody that's involved in sales at the moment, it's it's probably not the uh, not the easiest thing. Um, but uh, just another yeah. experience, though, mate. Just another experience to learn from. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now let's sw- let's switch on to the cricket. Um, what would you say your sort of earliest cricketing memories are? So same with uh, Bozzy. Uh, we both went to Beach Hall School together. So it was probably around five or six. Um, you, you were you were made to play every sport at Beach Hall. So you uh, have your lessons till four, and then from four till six every day. Um, you're down playing football or hockey or cricket. I remember when we first started playing cricket, I hated it. Like these these cold summer days down on the field when, you know, everyone else has already left all these other schools and you, you're made to play cricket and like catch a hard ball, which, <laughs> which isn't fun for anyone when you're young. Uh, so I remember disliking it quite a lot at the start. Uh-huh. Um, but then... Uh, I just think the competitive side won me over, and then started to started to enjoy it. Went down, joined, uh, joined the Oldley Edge Cricket Club, and then never really looked back from there. Very good. Now I must uh, I must bring up the fact that um, Bostock, as 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 you say, mentioned you and and school cricket. He did say that um, he the only reason he enjoyed playing cricket was not strictly because he was playing with you, but because you were on his team and you used to win most of the games on your own. Uh, would you say that's a, a sort of fair statement, or is he uh, is is he bigging you up? Uh, to be fair, he's actually bigging me up there because when we were young, we were all useless. None of us were any good. We'd uh, we get bowled out for 50 on a regular basis, so no one was particularly good. Um, but is what it is, I suppose. But thanks, Dave. And then, obviously, you said you, you moved to Alderley Edge for your sort of uh, junior cricket. Did you play all of your junior cricket with Alderley Edge? I did. I did all the way through to uh, 15, I think, is when when I moved over to Max. Uh, Alderley had a really, really, really good junior setup, um, so it was a good place to go and uh basically spend time with loads of people your age they had hundreds of people down uh, hundreds of kids down on a friday night and the first team usually got involved and helped the coaching so um yeah i learned a lot there excellent so uh, as you alluded to you moved to mac when you were 15 so um i assume that was your kind of earliest involvement earliest experience with macclesfield cricket club other than presumably playing them um, throughout your junior cricket? It was, yes. So uh, obviously I was at King's School Macclesfield where Steve, Steve Moores was and he played for Mac um, and I wasn't really getting on too well with a few of the people from Oldley. Um, I remember like the final straw, I scored, uh, opened the batting and scored 9-6 in the game and they uh, they dropped me for the next game. So Parford already, uh, Parford already moved over to Mac. And um, Steve Moores spoke to the captain at the time, Dan uh, Dan Ackley, and um, he uh, he got me got me over to Mac. So um, thanks, Dan. Another reason to uh, to be very grateful to Mr. Danny Ackley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh, you move you're moving me nicely onto these questions. It's it's almost as if I sent you the sheet, which I, which I haven't. You can confirm. I can confirm. I can confirm. But do do tell us about your time at Kings. Obviously, uh, you alluded to. Steve Moore's having a, having a sort of a key key role in in getting you to Mac. I assume it's fair to say he probably had a, a key role in your your cricket as well. Yeah, he definitely did. He he would have spent a lot of time um, with me when I was at Kings, as he did with um, everyone who played first team cricket. He got me in the first team when I was quite young, maybe fifteen. Um, 
and he, he was really good to learn off. Obviously, he's a very experienced cricket himself um, and a very good coach. So, yeah, I learned a lot from him. Um, I wasn't always in the best of books with Steve because um, I was a bit of a rebellious kid. So, um, sometimes, sometimes I had uh, Steve's wrath, uh, but it all led me to where I am today. So, can't complain. Very good. Now, I've never actually seen the wrath of Steve Moores. Um... So that would be quite an interesting thing to see. I think he's uh, he's always struck me as quite a mellow guy, but I think bubbling under the surface is uh, is probably a, a demon teacher when he needs to. Um, so clearly, you you brought that out of him on occasion. <laughs> he is mellow. He is mellow, and when you see the bad side of him, well, it's, it's not even a bad side. But it's just a bit more of a cold shoulder. Yes. Okay. Um, and and I think I'm I'm right in saying you you were a sort of relative. Uh, late bloomer when it when it came to serious runs at kings um i i have a feeling i might be right in saying didn't did you score a century in your last year at kings or did you get one in lower six no i got one in i think my first one was in year 11 um, oh, okay and i'm pretty sure that would have been my first ever hundred um and then kind of blossomed a bit in uh, lower six and upper six and Scored a few more. Excellent. I, I think it's fair to say you scored more than a few. Can you remember how many you scored for Kings? Um, I can. I can. But not because I can remember them, but because um, whenever I've been to an old boys game or something like that, uh, like some of the the current players would, would, would be telling me how many hundreds I've scored. <laughs> I remember Bert, when Bert was working at Kings, he came back from, the, came back from school once and said, you scored eleven hundreds for school. You're rubbish. How do you score eleven hundreds? That that is exactly the sort of response I would I would hope from someone like Bert. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm glad that I had this number right. Um, you scored eleven hundreds for for Kings. Um, and uh, on the inside the the pavilion at Kings on the uh, very famous uh, front field. Um, you know there are, there are boards up with with everyone's sort of scores and stuff. And I think from memory yours just has a number of hundreds rather than all of them for the season <laughs> so uh yeah I, th I think it's fair to say you, you had a, a couple of pretty good years with kings um this is going to move us on to, to talking a, a little bit of uh, uh, about um cricket abroad before we, we come back to to cricket in england um you've spent four seasons abroad in australia um which which clubs have you played for in Oz? Um, I played for Melton in 2009, who were a good sub-district club, um, but they're a bit out in the sticks. Uh, I played for Spotswood in 2011-12, um, Geelong in first grade cricket in 2012-2013, um, and then I went back for one last hurrah in 2018-2019. Um, and played, decided to change it up and go to Sydney and see what Sydney had to offer and played for a club called Warringah in Manly. Um, so, yeah, that was a good experience too. Excellent. Um, how did your sort of respective trips to Australia come about and, and you know, who, who helped you get places with these teams and the clubs and things like that? So, <clears throat> 2009, um, when I played at Melton, we'd had an uh, Aussie uh, over playing for either the the previous season or the one before called Nathan Allen who was a cracking bloke um, and I went over lived with him 
and he sorted me out because um, his brother was captain of Melton at the time, and his brother was a cracking bloke as well. So I went over and, uh, and played for Ma- uh, Melton that season, and we had a good year. I think we got to the grand final and lost um, lost the grand final, but it was uh, it was a good experience. Then twenty eleven, twelve with Spotswood, I went through Bushy, uh, Brendan McArdle, who I'm pretty sure. Justin may have mentioned already. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sorted us out with quite a few Aussies over, uh, sorted Mac out with quite a few Aussies over uh, in the past. So I went to him and he sorted me out uh, a good deal to go and play for them. Uh, Geelong, um, another Aussie, James Crosswaite, uh, who played for us a few seasons before that, was playing for Geelong. Uh, and I got a last minute message saying that. Uh, that overseas James Taylor had pulled out because he wanted too much money and did I want to go over and play? <laughs> and to be honest, I thought, uh, I'm, I'm not going to fill those boots whatsoever, but <laughs> I, I cracked to play first grade cricket in, uh, in Australia, I jumped it. Um, and then the last season, um, Crossy actually sorted me out again. He's li- he was living in Sydney at the time uh, and I said I was thinking about coming over and he put me in touch with Warringah um and then and ended up with them fantastic i hate to say crossy's helped me out twice <laughs> it pains me to say that <laughs> i can't imagine why um I, I i it's another person who's on the hit list i'd I'd love to get uh james crossway on the podcast I, I think there would be all manner of uh very interesting stuff he could tell us <laughs> um <laughs> anyway moving swiftly onwards wh- what would you say are, are the challenges uh for for an English cricketer and particularly someone that, that bats at the you know top three predominantly um, going to Australia and and how did you find that sort of transition especially in your first season there? Oh it's very very different so if you when you go over and play sub-district cricket like I did three times um, the wickets they're not as quick and bouncy as you'd expect, expect from Australia they're very much like uh, like if we have a good summer here a middle of the summer wicket that we get quite flat not too quick, um, don't jag around a huge amount. So from a batting perspective, it's quite good. But their quicker ball swings a lot for 15 overs. So it's a challenge if you're going in early, um, then it just goes straight for the rest of the day, which is obviously great. But their outfields, mate, they are so long. Hitting a four is impossible. So the grass is probably three or four inches long. Um, and their football fields during the, during the winter so they're bobbly as anything. They're massive. Hitting fours is impossible. I remember in my first game, um, to get off the mark, I got a wide half volley and creamed a cover drive and just stood there. And it literally rolled just past cover. So we, we ran a one for it, which is, <laughs> which is a bit of a joke. So you just, you just learn to score in a different way. Um, tend, to, tend to try and wait it out a bit. So um, it's not about scoring runs early on in the day. It's about getting through the new ball building up a partnership and coming back after lunch when everyone's knackered and they've been toiling, the bowlers have been toiling in 30, 35 degree heat and the balls stop, stop moving and then you kind of cash in at the end of the day. Um, for Geelong, it was, it was very, very different. Um, the wickets were so quick and bouncy. Uh, it's quite hard to describe. It was almost like tennis ball bounce, but flying through. Uh, so that was a completely different challenge in itself, but um, a good one, a good one. I mean that that's a good that's a good uh, segue. What what would you say the the sort of getting into the nitty gritty of it? How how would you say your t- you know technical approach 
changed from having that experience having played sub subbies um and it being not dissimilar you know in your from what you said to to some of the english conditions in in one sense um how how what's the technical approach when it comes to you know then moving up and playing first grade premier cricket and and you know you're getting the ball whizzing past you personally i learned to play on a lot uh, on the back foot a lot better um i tended to find that uh, obviously with the with the wickets being quicker and the quick bowlers seeing the ball flying through and they tended to bowl back for length so i worked um i'm quite a good puller and hooker of the ball but worked really really hard across you that year on our uh, pulling, hooking, so every net session. Um, we trained twice a week, every net session, me and Crossy would spend half an hour in um, in the bowling machine and crank the bowling machine up to uh, between 80 and 90 miles an hour and basically just try and hit each other, um, which sounds pretty sadistic, but it was, it was a great, great way to get used to the pace of the ball, get used to people bowling short. And then I found if you, if you took it on and took it on successfully, um, the bowlers just pitched it up to you, which is exactly exactly what you want on these wickets where it's not really doing much and you can kind of just sit on the front foot, play your drives and, and score runs that way. So that's that's one of the things I work really hard on. Do you feel your approach kind of, I mean, I appreciate obviously going from subbies to, to, to first go prem is, is a very different challenge, as you said, but do, do, you, feel, do you feel your approach change from season to season? Um, and do you feel that you learnt more about those conditions and you know we're better prepared arriving into a season in Australia I uh, yeah I would say so so um my first season out there um everyone kept saying so in 2009 everyone kept saying just don't lose don't lose wickets by lunch um just get through and then we cash in the second half of the day and in my head maybe I was being arrogant um maybe I just didn't understand it I I didn't play by those rules whatsoever. Um, I just like see ball, hit ball, tried to score runs, tried to be positive. Um, and then the end of my second season at Spotswood, I hadn't had the best year, so I decided to take that approach um, and ended up scoring 130 and we won the game. <laughs> so uh, it took me two seasons, but I, it eventually got drilled into me. So um, I tended to work like that in... The, the Shire season that I played for Sydney um, and it worked really, really well. I had a cracking season there um, and tried to get the rest of the team to sort of play like that as well, which worked. Um, in terms of the Melbourne Grey cricket, it's, it, it was different. It wasn't quite the same. Um, you couldn't take the same approach because every team just was stacked full of batters and, and, and they weren't using the same approach either. So um, if you decided to take that approach, you were going to lose games. So you, it was more like kind of playing in England. You take on the opportunities when you can try and get on top of certain bowlers and play out certain bowlers. So, yeah, it was a bit different in that sense with, with the grey cricket. Well, this is a, I think it's a nice point to, to look at some of your stats from, from Oz. Uh, in 2009-2010 season, as you said, um, your stats were 14 matches, 13 innings, um, a higher score of 102, and you scored 372 runs, an average of 37. Um, in your second season for Spotswood, played uh, 12 matches. No, that is wrong. Yes, it is. 12 matches. Good miles. Good. <laughs> <laughs> 12 matches, 14 innings, 457 runs, with a high score of 122, and your average 35. Third season for Geelong. So this is uh, Kukurimen's Premier First Grade. 18 matches, 20 innings, 
580 runs with a high score of 87 and your average 29. And then, yeah, in your in your last season, as you said, and this is for Warringah, um, it was 14 matches, 14 innings, a high score of 155, um, and you scored 858 runs at an average of 71. Um, so needless to say, I think, you know, you, you can follow exactly what you were talking about there. And, and obviously you had a, a a pretty good year in your last season. There are a couple of matches that I just want to sort of focus on, um, particularly during your time in Australia. The, the first um, is uh, a game from your uh, your season with Geelong. Uh, so this is Victoria Premier Cricket, Cookaburra Men's Premier Firsts. Um, and this was Fitzroy Doncaster versus Geelong. Um, the toss was won by Fitzroy Doncaster and uh, Geelong batted first. Yourself opening the batting. Um, yourself and, and Crossy were playing in this game. Um, firstly, what do you remember about that innings? And uh, yeah, tell us about the game. So yeah, me and, me and Crossy ended up opening the batting for most of the season together. Um, it was an interesting game, this one, actually, because um, it was the first two-day game. And um, we played four one-dayers. Uh, and I batted down at six uh, for, for all the one-dayers and scored 15, 10, 20, 15. Um, and just had a bit of a tough time. I'd never really batted down the order. Um, and they pre- played with a white ball on these uh, really abrasive surfaces. So after sort of 25 overs, the ball um, had become really soft. And it was nothing like I'd ever played over here before. Um, it was really tough to score. And I remember after the fourth game, um, we'd played St Kilda at the junction and I'd scored I think 15 in that game at the end of the game we'd lost and um, our coach Shannon's was like 6 foot 5 this massive guy a legend of great cricket um, everyone, everyone was exiting the change rooms at the end of the game he goes Cal you just wait right there and I was thinking oh shit what's, <laughs> what, what's happening here and it was just really intimidating bloke he's just sat me down and gone Mate, we've we've paid to bring you over here, and you are not delivering. Like, what is going on? You know. So I just explained to him exactly what I said. Like, Shannon's, I've never never done this before. Never batted in this position. Completely different. And he's like, right. Where do you want to bat then? We'll put you wherever you want. I said I would much prefer to be batting at the top of the order, openly batting, batting three because it's what I'm used to. The ball coming on. Um, and he said, right. Next game you can open the batting. So coming into this game at Fitzroy, I was under loads of pressure, loads and loads of pressure, and um, just got off to a flyer and ended up, like say, scoring 70-odd um, in a two-day game and ran myself out in the 27th over of, I think, I think we played 96 over days or 100 days, uh, 100 over days, and ran myself out in the 27th over. But for me, it was frustrating because I could have gone on and got a really big one. But for me, getting those runs and showing um, Shanners and the rest of the team the, the sort of my potential, what I could do was was a really, really big moment in that season for me. So, well, as you said, you, you scored seventy uh, off one hundred and five balls, twelve fours, one six. Um, so, needless to say, I fancy the outfields are, are a little bit better in first uh, <laughs> grade cricket. <laughs> they were far better. It's like playing in England. Like you could you could time one for four, um, which was impossible in sub sub district cricket. Um, I'm not ashamed to tell you, Cal, timing one for four is, is impossible for me 
anywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm aware, mate. I've worked with you on your batting. <laughs> well, more for you. Um, Crossy that that day uh, got just the one run off four balls, um, but you you had quite a quite a lot of uh, sort of contributions low down the order, um, with uh, Geelong declaring 291 for seven off 90 overs. Um, Fitzroy Doncaster in the end were bowled out for 101. Um, pleasingly, you didn't bowl, so that's that's the first tick in the box. Um, no, any, anything, no. <laughs> any, anything you remember from from that uh, from from Fitzroy Doncaster's innings that you kind of want to regale us with? Uh, yes, so they um, they had a couple of good players, but one was like really top class, and um, his name escapes me right now, but. I think they started off all right, um, and they were maybe 50 for two. But we had two bowlers who bowled absolutely rapid, like thunderbolts. Uh, one of them played in the big bash at the end of the year and got clocked at 147 Ks in his first over, which is like 90 miles an hour. And those two just came thundering in and gave him an absolute barrage with bumpers in at the ribs. Um, and and then um, just one of them slipped in a little Yorker and just cleaned them up. And that was just a massive turning point in the game. Um, and then those two just gave a lower order absolute hell. Um, and they just they couldn't deal with the pace. So, yeah, we ended up rolling through them. Very good. And as you say, uh, yeah, Geelong won that game. Um, the, the other game I'd, I'd like to talk about is from your last uh, trip to Australia. Um, so this is from uh, Saturday and Sunday, the 30th and 31st of March, 2019. Uh, so this is uh, Waranga versus uh, Mount Pritchard Southern Districts. The toss was won by uh, the opposition and uh, they obviously inserted Waringa. Um Now, I'm pretty sure that for pretty much the whole season, you, you batted at three, didn't you? Yes. Um, so this particular game, you, you, you got a, a, a very well-made 94. However, you did 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 miss out on the ton, but 94 off 100 balls with 11 fours. Um, and Warringah posted 208 for six declared. Um, what, what do you remember about this, this innings? Um, remember it very well. Um, it wasn't that long ago. It was a big game. Uh, Warringah hadn't made it to the grand final or something like 15 or 15 years or, or something like that. So to, to get there in the first instant was massive and everyone was so pumped for, uh, for the weekend. And then we rock up on the, um, on the Saturday and it's been raining all night. And when it rains in Sydney, it, it properly rains in monsoons and the ground was underwater. Um, and we were thinking there is absolutely no chance of us getting a game. And the way it works over in Oz, um, it's the final system. Whoever's ranked higher going into the game, if there's a washout, they, they win. Um, if there's a draw, the, the highest ranking team wins. Um, so we spent loads of money on um, equipment, bought in super softwares, bought in pumps, um, and spent the whole day from 9 o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m. just trying to get all the water off the ground. Right? It was a proper team effort. And we rocked up the next day. And the ground was fit to play. So suddenly we had a two-day game, which was a one-day game, but um, two-day rules. So for us to win, we had to basically bowl, bowl the other team out. So they won the toss and put us into bat first. Um, and we've had a little chat, uh, me and the captain, about how many overs we're going to bat for. Because obviously we have to bowl them out. 
Um, so we decided, I think we decided we were going to bat 40 overs and maybe leave them, leave us 60 overs to bowl them out of them to chase it down. So we just went out um, on, on the aggressive and pretty much ball one. Um, they were a good team. They had three, three players who played a lot of first grade, two spinners and the opening bowler. Um, and yeah, we just went at it uh, from, from quite early on. It was an absolute road. We were playing on the first grade ground. They always do that for the, uh, for the Shires final. Um, quick outfield and an absolute road and just had a good day. Got quite a few of them out the middle. Um, then it got down to, um, I think, the 38th over and we were declaring it the 40th. Um, and we were just going every ball. And I stupidly decided to try and take, take on deep mid-wicket off, uh, off a spinner. And those grounds were way too big for me to clear. So I got caught about 20 yards, <laughs> 20 yards from the boundary edge. Um, but we, we ended up making, I think, 200, did you say, Milo? It was 208, mate. 208. Um, left them 60 overs and we just had a good go at them. And I think we got them five down quite early. Um, but they didn't need to win. They just needed to draw. So their overseas player um, basically blocked out the whole innings, got about 50 off 200 balls or something silly. And I think we got them 67 down, but couldn't quite roll them in the end. If it was two days, who knows? As you said, uh, their opener got 54 off 162 balls, um, which uh, Bert would probably be describing as far out. Oh, he would be rolling. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, yeah, he, he kept... He kept talking about someone in his podcast as he'd basically given it the big stitch and he just kept saying far out, which um, is <laughs> a, a personal Far out. Yeah, far out, far out. Um, yeah, so as you said, uh, miss, missed out on the win, but um, pretty pretty enjoyable, well, incredible game by the sounds of it. Big team effort to, to get that on. I think it's fair to say you and I have probably been involved in some... Um, Deep sea rescue operations on the on on games at Macclesfield before. Well, we certainly have. Yeah, I've got a few a few in the memory bank. Absolutely. Um, talking of Mac, I, th- I think it's it'll be good to, uh, good time to just talk about your stats in England now. Um, so as per play cricket, uh, your earliest recorded game. These could be interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure these are going to be that good. <laughs> um, your your earliest recorded game is from 2005, where you played. Uh, Six games. Um, you got a higher score of thirty-eight. Let's just see. This was Macclesfield under seventeens. Um, uh, you got yeah retired thirty-eight, not out. I'm just going to run through the um, the team this day. It was Ben Morrison, Tom Parfit, Khaled Sowers. Um, is it Tom McIlvenny? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew Little. He, he was a ringer. He wasn't even a, a, a Mac Cricket Club player. He played for Disley, but we. We brought him in as a ringer. <laughs> I know uh, the Maccas; they're they're very good friends of uh, the, the Isherwoods. Uh, and yeah, and all Littlewoods, James Copley, uh, Stephen Cole, Pete Barron, Tom Green, and a certain Alex Griffiths. Anyway, let's not talk about that game because it probably wasn't that interesting. But that's your your earliest recorded game for Macclesfield. Um, now these are your combined stats across all of the uh, the games you've played and the seasons you've played. So these are not all for Macclesfield. You have had a few seasons at Oldley Edge and Hyde as well. Um, but you have played 276 games, 265 innings, 8,704 runs with a high score of 142 not out. Um, you are averaging 37.5. That's your stats. Yeah, I was expecting it to be a bit worse, actually. I was expecting the average to be a bit nearer the 30 mark, but 37 is all right. 
it would probably be different if I were to, for instance, take away, you know, if if we took the stats from say 2010 when you were playing senior cricket only, I think I think I don't know that might make a difference. Um, ah, that's all good. Look, let's 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 have a look at the bowling stats. Uh, this is this is what the crowd wants to to hear. So I think they'll be quite good, actually. You know, <laughs> well, I I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I mean, as as per play cricket, um, you have bowled thirteen overs, um, and taken two wickets. <laughs> Well, that is incorrect. That is incorrect. But I'm sure those two wickets um, that I recorded on play cricket were from a 2020 against Oldley Edge a few years ago when I um, got two for two for 20 off three overs. So uh, that wasn't a bad effort. But, listen, but... Don't, don't big yourself up here, pal. Uh, that is that is massively incorrect. It was three overs, two for 31. Oh yeah, because someone someone dropped Richard Wilkinson on the edge and it went for six. I remember that. So it should it should have been three for twenty five. Um, but what play cricket has missed um, was a game against Nutsford when I took four for thirty something off ten overs. Have you have you not heard about this? Barney uh, Barney was captain at the time but couldn't play, so I took over the reins as captain and uh, gave myself a ten over uh, nine over stint. <laughs> Jesus wept. That's um, that's shocking. Let's let's have a look at your your catches. Um, you have a hundred nine catches recorded on play cricket. Um, you had two very good years in two thousand fifteen and sixteen when you took thirteen catches. Um, you also had four runouts in in those seasons as well. Um, oh, Cal, three stumpings from two thousand and six. When did you keep wicket for a, for an under eighteens game or something? Uh, for an under 16 or under 17s game. Oh, um, God. Yeah, me, me and Benno and Parf always used to fight over who was going get, to get the gloves for the game. Uh, <laughs> and I remember, I remember keeping for one game and, uh, and getting a stumping where all three stumps came out the ground, actually. It's a good memory, a very fond one. I'm, I'm fairly sure that's the sort of thing I would expect from a ham-fisted James Cross. I don't know about <laughs> uh, delicate touch Khaled Sawas demolishing stumps. Um, anyway, we, we all have our skills, Cal. Um, Anything you want to say about catches? I think, I mean, for the last six seasons, you've you've taken more than ten catches every season. Yeah, catches wise, um, the the two years when I took the most, I'm pretty sure, were the two years when I was at Hyde, and we had. Uh, I always fielded at mid off for Danny Woods and Jason Whisker, and uh, people used to try and take them on and sky them. So, um, did you say what thirteen catches a, a season? 2015 and 2016, you had 13 catches, yeah. But that doesn't in, that doesn't include the seven drops each season as well. So, <laughs> and you're trying to tell me these these were all up the chimney at Hyde? <laughs> they were all up the chimney at Hyde. The flat ones I used to drop. Very good. Yeah, I don't I don't have the best set of hands. Um, I'm sure most people who are listening to this podcast are fully aware. Um, well, I think in in your defence, you you could certainly make it an argument. Um, to say that you you know you do take your catches um just it doesn't record the drops as you say so uh, <laughs> so there we go um there there are a couple of games that I'd, I'd like to talk about from 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 england um and these are both uh from macclesfield um the first is a game from 2012 um this is mac first team versus hyde uh, who you just spoke about and in this particular game Hyde won the toss and chose to field first um, putting Mack in um, the batting was opened by Richard Huff and James Crosswaite um, 
yourself had a, a, a fairly large uh, contribution to, to the scorecards. Um, what, what do you remember about this game, if anything? I remember it quite well, actually. Um, it was a horrible wet wicket up at Hyde. Um, every ball was taking chunks out of the ground. Um, and I remember going in quite early. And they had Scott Curran open the bowling at the time. He bowled a decent pace. Uh, but the, the length he bowled was, definitely wasn't suited to wet wickets. And he kept bowling short. So I think I was on about 30 off off about 10 balls or something. I think I hit four or five fours and one over. Just, it wasn't meaning to. just kept dropping them short. And then from there, I just decided to kind of keep keep going along with it. Um, wet, sticky wicket. If if it's sort of in your arc, give it a good whack. And um, I got dropped a couple of times. Tough chances, like um, caught and bowled. A couple I belted back. But um, yeah, ended up, ended up getting 140-odd before I got out. So. And it was good because we, uh, we, we always struggled against Hyde. We had an unbelievable batting lineup. So no, no matter how many runs we got, they always seemed to knock them off. Um, so, yeah, it was, I think we posted quite a big score for a, a wet wicket that day. Pretty sure we, we won the game. I think Ports maybe, maybe had a little contribution and Hodgie came in and hit some of the biggest sixes I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you scored 137 off 123 balls, 14 fours, 11 sixes. Hyde um, <laughs> Hyde is not the biggest ground in the world, is it? It has to be said. It's not. It's not. But we don't know how far they went over the boundary by. It was a long time ago. Not as far as Andy Hodge, that I can tell you. <laughs> not um, as far as Andy Hodge. Uh, Rob Porter, yeah, added uh, a useful 43. Um, so you must have spent a bit of time batting with him, which is, I'm, I'm sure... Absolutely disgusting. Please don't talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah Andy Hodge, uh, 38 off 20 balls towards the end. <laughs> five sixes. Um, and uh, Ian Tate, batting number 10 with a cheeky six, including a four, um, off five balls. Uh, anyway. You know what? Ian Tate, Ian Tate really developed his batting skills over the year from being a complete and utter useless number, number 11 to actually being able to hit the ball quite clean. That must have been the start. It's the levers. It's all about the levers. And, and I think Ian Tate is a man who does have long levers. Um, as you said, Mac posted 266 for nine or 50 and Hyde were all out for 225. Um, I, I'm assuming you, you definitely didn't bowl. Uh, <laughs> no, very good. no, I didn't bowl. You didn't. Um, you didn't take a catch? Oh, no, you did. You did take a catch that day. Uh, I'm pretty sure that day as well, all the other teams got rained off. So... We had Bozzy and Mitch and Curly and all the lads up on the side getting very, very drunk and rolling hides, uh, the tyres they used to hold the, uh, the covers down. They were just rolling them down the hill into the nets, causing all sorts of mayhem. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something that uh, Bostock and uh, Moores would, would, would be doing. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, not at all. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds very far-fetched. Um, the other game that I, that I wanted to to focus on uh, was a very tight win for Macclesfield. Uh, so this is from the 30th of June 2018, so a lot more recent. And um, I should point out that um, this was your uh, first year back at Mac, and you did in fact score a thousand runs in the season. Um, so as I said in the introduction, uh, you did have a particularly fruitful year that year. Ermson won the toss and elected to bat, and they scored 251 for nine off their 50 overs. Um, what, what do you remember about the uh, the deck that day and, and obviously the, the Ermson batting performance? Uh, I remember the deck being an absolute road, like it is quite a lot. Um, 
obviously Jimmy and Paolo and Chris Moores over the years have prepared some absolute stonkers. And uh, that, that first season back, uh, it was just road after road every week. Um, and yeah, it was, it was flat. And I don't remember too much. I think one of the lads may have got 80 or 90, but they clocked up 250. Um, and I remember walking back into the change rooms and uh, everyone was a bit a bit deflated. And I remember Port standing up and just basically saying, lads, that is an absolute road out there. That 250 they scored is like 200 any other week. And he was right. Um, so we just took a positive mentality into it and just took it took the game deep uh, and yeah, ended up getting over the line, maybe what, six down. I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, maybe I was batting with Curly at the end of that game when we won. You were indeed. So you, you actually opened the batting uh, in this particular game with uh, one Alex Griffiths um, and you you must have had a ooh, 60 or 70 run partnership because uh, Nipper scored 33. So He batted really well that day actually, I remember that now. Yeah, he came out and he was very fluent, a few good cover drives and a couple of pull shots. Off the front foot, no doubt. <laughs> Anything to pull shots nip, though, isn't it? What am I talking about? Cover drives. I remember when he got bounced out by a spinner at Bramall. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else remembers that too. It's uh, it's one of the things I've I've got on my tick list to talk to him about being bounced out by a spinner. Um, yeah, you scored uh, 126 off 146 balls, 16 fours. Um, there were some other contributions down the order. Uh, Nipper got 33, as you said. Um, and the other mainstay of the innings would have been uh, Chris France with, with 33 of 32 balls. Um, and then, yeah, Curly Curly was with you at the end. Uh, eight runs from seven balls, probably two sweep shots. I, <laughs> I remember saying to him, mate, we've got this easy. I know you love playing your sweep shot. But just leave leave it out today. Like we we don't need it. We don't Cal, need it. Cal, just... what what are you doing? What what, well, what kind of chat is that? <laughs> well, I know Curly loves his sweep shot, um, and there's times for it. But there's also times to not play the sweep shot, like in that situation. And Curly said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool, 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 cool." And I think we needed uh, five to win, and Curly just sweeps that spinner for six, <laughs> and he runs down the wicket, and he says something along the lines of. Don't ever tell me not to play a sweep shot again. Uh, and fair enough, fair enough. He got us over the line with his famous sweep. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Mac uh, won the game, uh, as I say, yourself uh, not out. I'm sure that would have been a, a fairly large banjo afterwards. Uh, I'm pretty sure whether we won or whether we lost, it was a pretty large banjo after most games. Um, as Stevie Witt um, introduced when he first joined the club back in I don't even know, maybe 2006, when I was 15. Win or lose, we're on the booze. And, <laughs> and it stayed that way for a good 15 years. Very good. Um, Cal, there's a couple of other things I just, just want to mention about your, uh, your sort of cricketing uh, career that some people may or may You can't call it a career, mate. Come on. Well, I mean, listen, I, I would describe myself as having had a, a cricketing career. So, I mean, <laughs> a, a word is just a word, Cal. It's the, it's the way you apply it. Um, uh, you have played quite an amount of cricket for Cheshire, um, which is obviously at the minor counties level. Um, is there anything you kind of want to sort of tell us about that time? I, I think you played for Cheshire between 2012 to 2015 or 16, is it? I think it was four years, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe I played a game in the fifth, but um, we didn't really want to, but uh, Lee Dixon talked me into it because he was short of players, so 
Um, but yeah, four years. Um, you played quite a bit in 2012 and 13, um, predominantly looking at it. Um, what are your sort of overriding memories of, of, of yeah, Manor County's cricket? Uh, it was a good standard. Um, you rock up and play on flat wickets every week uh, with a great bunch of lads. Uh, we had so much talent in that team. Uh, and I think the first season, we... We didn't win anything. We didn't even get through the one days or the four day stuff. Um, and then we stuck it out with a very similar team. And the next year we went on to went on to win the championship, which is the first time Cheshire had done it for quite a while. Um, who was quite influential for me? Duffers was. Um, he. I didn't get a look in for Cheshire at all until Duffers became captain. And then he picked me for the first game of of, uh, of that season. And picked me, batted, batted me at five, and I think in the first game I scored a hundred. Um, and he <clears throat> brought brought out the best in me, him and Woodsy especially, um, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore. But both of them were uh, very much of the back yourself, um, back your ability, do what you think's right, right in the situation, um, but never walk off the field like sort of. Um, having not played the way that you play. So whether it was back yourself to take on take on a bowler when he came on or whether it was back yourself just to take the game deeper and deeper and back yourself to finish it when you need 25 off two overs. So those two were, were quite influential for me as a cricketer and obviously both great blokes as well. Did you Do you remember scoring many runs in, in 2013 particular, particularly, should I say? Um, I scored quite a lot in 2012. 2013, um, I had a good year, but just couldn't score 100 to save my life. I must have got six or seven 50s, um, but they weren't just 50s. They were like 70s and 80s, but it was just finding ways to get out, um, like cutting a cutting a spinner on. I remember, uh, I forget who it was against, but I, remember, I got 80-odd in the game. That Warren got 200, and we had quite a big partnership, and then just got a short wide one off the spinner and cut it straight to point, and uh, that was it. And that's just kind of like how it seemed to go. Get to 70 or 80 and just find a way to get out. Mm-hmm. Well, that year, um, I, I believe you also made your, um, your sort of debut in, in, in second eleven cricket. So you played a game for Lancashire seconds uh, against Durham seconds. I think you were batting in number five. Uh, you scored 25 off 60. Um, tell us about that experience. Uh, yeah, so I played two, two games for Lancashire. And so we played a one day at a start. And then a four day afterwards. Um, the one day I got a like, runnable 30 odd came in when there was like 15 overs left. Um, the two day game, the four day game, sorry, uh, was at Old Trafford, which was quite an experience uh, using their change rooms, going out and playing um, on the wicket, which was one of the hardest things I've ever come across. The wicket, it was just, it was like the M6. Um, and I remember coming into that and there was, a guy, I forget his name, uh, played loads and loads of county cricket um, and was quick. Was like, um, in his heyday, he was bowling between 85 and 90. And as soon as I come in, he just goes around the wicket, puts a short leg in, um, a leg slip, and a deep backward square. Uh, no, a deep, a deep square in front of uh, the wicket and a fine leg. And he ran in, he bumped me 15 balls on the run. 15 balls on the run, he ran in and bumped me from around the wicket. And I was ducking and swaying, absolutely bricking it. And then by the time it got to the 15th ball, I was like, I've had enough of this. Like, it's make or break here. And just 
uh, took it on and hit, hit a one out to deep square leg, and then and then that was it. No more bumpers. Um, but they they had a half decent spinner and just missed a straight one. Got out of LBW. Nothing spectacular. But it was a good, really good experience. That day, Louis Rees scored a double hundred. So watching that was uh, was awesome. How how did that sort of come about? Really, how did, how did you kind of make that transition from um, from Cheshire up to to Lancashire? Well, I'd had a really really good year for Cheshire the year before, and um, was the leading run scorer in minor counties cricket. Um, I'd had a really good year for Matt, and was the leading run scorer in the league. And um, I don't know whether Steve hooked me up by speaking to Pete, who was uh, the coach at the time. Um, I don't know, but I'm sure Steve wouldn't tell me that anyway. Um, or whether it happened some other way, but I got a call from Gary Yates saying, yeah, um, at the very end of the season, um, he called me up saying, um, we want you to do a bit of training with us over the winter. But I'd already signed to uh, go to a, cl- a club in Oz and was basically leaving in a couple of days' time, so um, followed through with that and then, yeah, came back and had a couple of games early season, but didn't set the world on fire. Do you think, I mean, you know, I don't, don't like to use uh, hindsight and parallel universes, but do you do you think things could have potentially been different had you not gone to Australia that year and, and followed through training with, with Lancashire? I mean, how, how do you feel about sort of your progression or, or non-progression and, and whether you could have made that step up? Uh, no, I don't think it would have been any different. Um, being realistic, at the time I would have been 24, so I'm getting on um, in terms of uh, getting found by a professional club. Um, they had young players like Liam Livingston, who were 19 and 20, who he's gone on to play for England, and he's playing in uh, all sorts of 2020 comps around the world, like the IPL and stuff like that. They had... Um, Al Davis, who was scoring loads of runs, Jordan Clark scoring loads of runs, taking wickets. The competition was too much um, for me at that time. If I was maybe the same age as them, it could have been a different story, but I, I doubt it. No regrets at all. No, I, I, I wasn't suggesting for a second that, that there were or should be, but I think it, you know, it's just interesting to to hear. Um, obviously, you know your 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 take on it, and and um, probably as someone that's dare I say it can come as close to, to, to getting to professional cricket as, as anyone um, anyone I know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... What about Nick Burtis? Did he not play professional cricket? Uh, I, <laughs> my, my comment was as close to, uh, <laughs> rather than professional cricket. But yes, obviously, Burt did make it up to playing professional cricket, as we heard about on the last podcast. Um, moving swiftly onwards, Cal, we're, we're, we're going to wrap up the podcast now with um, some quick-fire questions which have been uh, troubling some of our some of our guests. So I'm relying on you to to perform well. Um, so You know what? I can't even remember what the questions were, so this is going to be completely... Yeah, we'll give it a go. Go on. Nickname? Uh, Cal or Kumar Sutcliffe? Left or right-handed? Right-handed. Bat or bowl? Uh, obviously an all-rounder. <laughs> Fielding position? Uh, I have upgraded myself to slip um, because I'm too lazy to field anywhere else. <laughs> well, from, from one man who, who fields a slip because he's too lazy to field anywhere else and has a bad set of hands, uh, I'm, I'm all on board for that. Um, <laughs> test or T20? Test every day. Best cricketer you've played with? Uh, it's got to be Aaron Finch. Best cricketer you've played against? Ooh, oh, that's a toughie. Uh, 
probably Warren Goodwin. He's unbelievable. Fastest bowler you face? Uh, Jake Reed, uh, the lad from Geelong that I told you about that ended up playing in the Big Bash. He's rapid. Messiest in the dressing room? Oh, Crossy. He's disgusting. He's a disgusting animal. Can we can we just clarify um, for the avoidance of doubt? Is this James Crossy or James Crossweight? This is James Crossy. So he has all his kit, which is spread across the room. He sweats and he stinks, and then his uh, grandma gives him a load of food at the start of the day, which is just scattered all over the benches and all over his bag and all over the floor. He takes one whole bench to himself. It's madness. <laughs> Very good. Um, now, this is going to be a pretty tricky question because this is this is this is an answer that you, for some reason people seem to think you spend a long time in the shower. But um, who is the longest in the shower? Um, I I would have to say it's probably me. Good. I um I did wonder what your response to this question would be. So thank you for uh, stating the obvious. Um, first thing on your plate at teas. Pizza. Drink of choice. Guinness. Takeaway of choice. Curry. Dance move of choice. Uh, the lawnmower. <laughs> that it, is... works. it works. You get so much attention. That has been one of the questions that's been causing the most grief. Um, oh, it's and... just an easy one. It's it, an well, easy one. When you're a dancing virtuoso, I guess it must be an easy answer. Um, three dream dinner guests. Who are they? Oh, three is a tough one. I'll go with two. And they are people that I know from the cricket club. So it'll be uh, Jim Melrose and Obviously. David Bostock. Now, Jim Melrose, because, you know, he once upon a time was a friend, but um, other, off the cricket field, I don't think I've seen him for about five years. Um, and David Bostock, because he knows how to offend and rile Jim up more than anyone I've ever come across. So just watching those two go at it and the offence that uh, Jim gets from Dave would just be classic. And I must push you from a, for a third participant. Um, probably Bert. Me and him would just sit back and enjoy it as much as each other. Very good. Um, Cal, I'd, I'd just like to talk about some aims for this season, if we do get any cricket and, and next season. Uh, well, this season, we're not going to get any cricket. And uh, from what I've heard, if we do, it's going to be no promotion, no relegation. So that I have correct. I have no comment on this season. But aims for next season... Um, now Craig has played his uh, one game. Uh, what, now Craig's done his one season away at Leek. Uh, it would be to get Craig Melrose back playing for the Mighty Mac. Fantastic. Um, there is something that I must bring up before before we finish the podcast. Um, oh, here we go. Go on. No, no, no. It's it's not what you think. Um, you did just mention uh, Aaron Finch there um, in your quick fire questions. I would really love you to tell us a story about Aaron Finch treating you to the greatest night out you've ever had? Okay, so <clears throat> he uh, was playing of number one rated one-day cricket in the world at the time, but couldn't, uh, couldn't score a run in the four-day cricket for Victoria. So he got dropped from them and came and played a couple of, couple of games for us. And um, the last day of the second, the second weekend, uh, the opposition are batting out for a draw, and he's obviously getting really bored. So he goes from sledging them to just talking about funny stories and he was talking about downing pots and for those who don't know they drink pots in australia which is half a pint of beer it's literally half a pint uh, and i remember fielding at short leg he was at point and he uh, i just said come on come on mate like if you're going to talk about uh, tell us a good story about downing it's got to be downing a pint 
And he stopped the bowler halfway through his run-up, came over to me and said, uh, well, me and you, we're going we're gonna to have a pint race. And if you beat me, I'll take you on the, the best night you've ever had in your life. Um, I was like, sure. Get a call the next day. It's him. Get to this pub um, and we'll, we'll do the race. So get there. He's paid for my taxi. I, go, I was with Jordan Clark at the time and James Cross, right? So we're, we're all there. And he just puts a pint in front of me. And uh, we have a race and I beat him. And he throws his wallet on the table. And um, he said, that's your spend for tonight. Count it. So I count it and there's two grand in there. And I turned around, tongue in cheek, and said, two grand is not going to be, it's not going to give me the best night I've ever had in my life. He burst out laughing. We, we end up going back to his and he gives me eight grand in cash. Um, and the rest is history. And, and as well as the eight grand in cash, um, he lived with uh, Glenn Maxwell and they had a bat room. And they had like 35 bats in there. So um, he ended up giving me three bats. And one of the bats I took was the bat that he scored 150 in 2020 against England with. Um, so that's, yeah, good story. It is a very good story. I won't push you for um, how that night unfolded because, frankly, it's not fit for uh, general consumption. Um, no. On that bombshell, Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, any closing remarks? Uh, not really, no. No. Um, hopefully we do get a little bit of cricket this year. It would be nice. It would be nice. In the meantime, I'm sure uh, everybody will, will thank you and appreciate the podcast. So thank you very much and uh, we'll see you soon, Carl. See you later, mate. Cheers, buddy.